Wonderful writer out of Louisville uh, by the name of Jeremy Clark. Thanks for having me. So yeah. No doubt. No doubt. But before we get into uh, Jeremy Clark, the life and times of, uh, <laughs> we have to ask, as we always do, what's on your mind? Word. Jose. Yes. What's on your mind? All right, y'all. So it's officially. Uh, like 29 days until my 28th birthday, and I was just Aziz and I were riding up here, and I think I want to get a tattoo, and so I'm thinking about what type of tattoo I want to get, and uh, it's a it's a big decision because I just feel like everything I look at, I'm like, nah, that's corny, Mm. or nah. That's done. I told Aziza, I really just want to get the tattoos that she has. Yeah, and you should. I make really good life decisions. Aziza, what what tattoos do you have? I have a word on my left shoulder blade. I have It Is Written. It was the first tattoo I ever got. That's fresh. Um, Right? People often mistake it. uh, They're like, oh, you got the Nas tattoo. I'm like, Nasir had nothing to do with this. Um, It was written. It's what? People don't know. It's a very different thing. People see me, but but they just don't don't know. know. Don't research. Some dude saw me at a party and apparently took a picture of my shoulder and was like, yo, shouts to the shorty with the Nas tat. And I was like, hey, you know what? It isn't. It's not a Nas tat. Um, but I feel like if you're a Nas fan, you would correct you need to know the tattoo. You wouldn't shout it out. Yeah, know? he wasn't a true fan. To Nasir no. or I. So where does the tattoo come from, if not Uh, Nazi or Well, actually, I was in high school. I was in senior year, and I was bored as hell in the library where I would go for solace from boredom. And I found um, Saul uh, Williams' Dead MC Scrolls, that book. Mm. And I was reading through it because I was about to go to NYU, and he was talking about, oh, I was at NYU, all stuff. And just in the bottom corner of one of the pages, he referenced um, the Arabic saying, maktub, or it is written. And I Mm. saw that, and I was like, that has to be the one. Like, and it, it meant for me, like, you know, I, I choose my path, and then it'll all align, you know? So I felt like, nice. yeah, I want to be a writer. I'm make it happen. So it just reminds me, like, you, you build it, but you have to build it. Um, the path is there for you. You just got to build some stuff. Right, so that's one. Yeah, that's one. Uh, the next one is on my left arm. Either I'm nobody or I'm a nation. Ooh. Derek Walcott yeah. uh, in the first... I think it's the first poem in his flight, um, the Schooner flight, mm-hmm. and it's also the opening poem to Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I got Dutch, English, and nigger in me, and either I'm nobody or I'm a nation. I love that. Um, yeah. And it's it's like 
people often come up to me and they're like, well, what are you? Like, I'm a lamp or a shrubbery? And I'm like, uh, What are you? You know, I exist. <laughs> I'm animate, you know, what? for starters. Um, but with that, I, I love it as, um, I don't have to answer that anymore. I could just go like, okay, and we're done. Uh, I've not yet done that to anyone. I was going to ask you, like, have you ever done that? Like, actually, it's funny you should ask because... Soon. Wow. So I think come summertime, when I don't have to roll up the sleeve, I'll just hit the... Right, you do that in winter, you gotta like... So wait, you gotta be like, have, oh, you been asked? Real quick. <laughs> have you been asked since you got it? What are you? And yeah. you were like, well, I'm not gonna hit him with the forearm. I forget about my forearm. Um, it's it's the terrible thing of tattoos is you you do forget the I hope I'm with you when body. somebody asks you that so I can be like, Z, show up your forearm. Yo, hit him with the forearm. Hit him with the forearm right now. All you have to do then, if you want to do that, is just go to the club with me. <laughs> Where is it that I go to the club, but do that, and I'm positive you know, we'll have that a, moment. You have a pass on going to the club. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's horrible, right? And it's just like, hey, what are you? I'm gone, as well. <laughs> I already left I 10 minutes ago. Uh, and then the latest one is on my back, the left side. All of them are on the left side. Ooh. And it says, Mirth Life. And it's me and Ishmael, Ishmael Islam. Shout out to you. Shout out to Ish. Uh, we were in a bookstore, often in the bookstore, when I find the reasons to put things on mm. my body permanently. And we saw this book that was like something like how to mirth. I don't know. It was like how to build mirth. And you know, we're like, mirth? That's a great word. What? <laughs> and we looked it up and we were like, it's just, you know, uncontainable joy. Like, you know, you often found in laughter. Like, often you find mirth in laughter. And I really loved um, Pac's, like, thug life tattoo. Mm. And I was like, but as a response, then the, I want mirth life is what I nice. want. Um, and I think Ish is thinking about getting them on his knuckles. Uh, it's an uneven number, though, so we're going to have to figure that out. But he's going to get, I think, eventually a mirth life tattoo as well. Nice. So let's say, hypothetically, three months from now, you see Jose... Mm-hmm. And he's like, Aziza, I just got some tattoos. Mm-hmm. And it's just all your tattoos. I'd hug him. On his body. You would feel good about that? I would give him a hug. You I'd would be say, like, oh man, this is great. Well, I'd be like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that thing is worse than, uh, interesting. No, I, mean, I would just want to like... Talk about how <laughs> responses you no, don't no. want to get. But this is the thing, right? If it's oh, already on your body, it's already on your body. I would just wonder why you didn't tell me before getting that. Well, I'm telling you right now. Okay, well then now I know what to and, expect. And I'm throwing it out to the <laughs> listeners, you know what I mean? Uh, what tattoo should I get? Send me some ideas because I really don't know, but I know that I want a tattoo. Also, uh, I was telling Aziza, the basketball player mm. uh, Nick Swaggy P. Young, he only has tattoos on one sleeve. He has a sleeve of tattoos and a reporter asked him why, and he was like, the other one's for getting buckets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the best story ever. So I also kind of feel like, yo, the left side is for tattoos, and then the right side is for getting buckets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I mean, seeing as we're both right-handed, too, yeah. it works in our favor. We're exactly. telling the truth. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, my... that's what's on my mind today. Indeed. John, what about you? John, what's on your mind? <clears throat> uh, what's on my mind... Uh, so uh, we're recording, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably listening week by week or you're kind of seeing them all uh, laid out. But we're recording them in kind of a binge 
session yes. of many, you know, sometimes back to back because we have Aziza in New York City. We have a really important moment. <laughs> and you also should know, you know, like Jose has been really geeked about this idea for months. Yes. He's yes. kind of known it. Uh, but we had a, a we recorded a podcast last night, which hopefully you've listened to, uh, with Jason Smith, and it went really good. Like it uh, it felt good. I felt kind of fired up and energized. But honestly, I uh, I like really didn't sleep well last night. Mm-hmm. I uh, I took the I don't know excitement from that, and around three or four in the morning, it, it was really hard to decipher whether it was excitement or terror, mm. or I think it just sunk into me last night that we were potentially doing something special, or that mm. something opened uh, up into me where I said, oh, oh man, all right, like I'm invested yeah. in this now, and you know, because we're having so much fun, I think I forget how vulnerable some of what we're sharing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I like felt that flood into me last night and it gave me like an anxious stomach all day, which I think is really positive. Like I think yeah. that's come with anything. But uh it just reminded me how hard like how hard vulnerability is or like how mm-hmm. hard it is to try to say who you are or what you're feeling. Uh and I, yeah, so I'm feeling excited, but I'm feeling kind of mixed up in in that right now, uh, in a way that it's so wild. I just would never have guessed that that would be the night I would have after such an incredible night. Mm, um, totally. But I don't know. Has anybody else ever experienced that, where you're like something really good happens, and then you're in a weirdly anxious place about it? Every time. I think more or less like especially if it's to do with things I make you know like I'll have a reading and it goes really well and then I'm like oh I feel sick like I need Mm. to go lie down somewhere and Mm. just absorb it because it was too good especially if it's full of all the good people and all the good vibes like I got the reading at Atlas earlier uh, last year and people came out mad people came out people I love and I haven't seen in a couple weeks and and then afterwards, I was just like, I actually feel ill. Like, I need to go. <laughs> In Queens, I got a fever. Like, it just, I don't know. I get too happy. And I got to go, like, recuperate from that. I don't know what that's about. I don't get sick so much as I just get exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, being this vulnerable feels like work to me and exhausts me the way work does. So, like... I swear to God, last night I like crashed. I slept so hard. I woke up, there was like spit all over my mouth. <laughs> I woke up, I was like, God damn, that was some good sleep. Can I just go back to sleep wow. right now? So I, I just think it tires me. Like it mm-hmm. I, I think it's giving energy and, and like for real giving, you know what I mean? Where like I lose that energy. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm just I'm tired afterwards. I'm like ready to knock out and that's sure. what I did. Yeah. I did not sleep well. I tossed and turned and did the, the... Well, I also slept at Jason's house. I was on a couch like this. I'm, I'm craning my <laughs> neck toward my shoulder right now. Um, but shouts to Jason and your couch. It was Ooh. very nice of you to do that. Um, Jeremy, what's on your mind? I was just sitting here thinking... Uh, I've been thinking about the last time that I actually recorded anything like this. Mm-hmm. Was um, It was last February, and... Uh, 
there's a local radio station in Louisville, and <clears throat> it's independently owned, so a bunch of people get on, and they'll do whatever they want, really. So I have a friend who does a show all about literary arts in Louisville, and they're like, do you want to come on and like, read some poems? And I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know how that goes, but like, you know, whatever, like, whatever. Like, I'll figure it out when I get there. They're like, sure, if you think that's a good idea. Yeah, I, was like, I, was like, I don't know how to like live edit myself, you know, like, you have a five second delay. Like, you know, shit might get weird. Um, but when I came out, so I did that and it was like really cool. Um, and when I came out of the studio, you know, they don't have any cell phone service. And I had a voicemail from Rigoberto Gonzalez. It was yes. like my acceptance oh my call God. from Rutgers. What? So I was just thinking about that. Wow. Like sitting here, I was like, oh, like the last time I did something like this, like, so maybe somebody will call me while I'm sitting here with Someone's you. Someone's going to call you. <laughs> it's going to be really lit, dude. Yeah. But, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I was like, that was almost a year ago. Wow. You know, and to think about like, all the things that have happened since then has been pretty crazy. That's incredible. I'm just like staring at this microphone thinking about that. And think about how I did not sleep last night either. I was up until 5 a.m. Wow. What is this? Was, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just last night. Something I think was it, in the... Not no, for <laughs> That was maybe the yeah, best thing about getting everybody else to sleep. <laughs> that's, Yo, what that's what stole, happened. I stole everybody's sleep. Thief. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm not mad at it. But <laughs> we mean. are. And so no did you knows. feel good? Like you're leaving a station. You've just shared on public radio. You get a call that you're going to an MFA program, which I'm assuming you really wanted to go to. Like, you know, those moments are the moments that we dream of, and of course, yeah, we think of those as, oh man, that's a good moment, but I think in, in the experience of them, sometimes they're more complicated. Hmm. Yes. Actually, <laughs> yes. I was actually, question. I was actually just having this conversation with a friend of mine who's applying to MFA programs for next year, hmm. and she wanted to know, she's like, oh, my apps are in. You know, can you talk to me about what it was like to get your acceptance calls? And I was like, oh Lord. And that one was funny because all those phone calls are so weird. Yeah. And that was a voicemail. So I had to listen to the voicemail and then call back. Dang. And so then when I call back, it's like, um, is this Rigoberto Gonzalez? Like, he was like, yeah. I, was like, oh, I think I missed your phone call. He's like, did you listen to the voicemail? And I was, you know, and the voicemail had everything in it. Right. And I was like, yes. He's like, so. <laughs> What did you say? I was like, uh... So, also, uh, next door to the radio station was a barbecue restaurant that I worked at. And it was like 2 p.m. I was like having a beer. You know, just like... Of course. And so, I I wasn't really expecting him to answer. So then I was like, um... I put my beer down. I was like, walked outside. (laughs) I need air. I need air. Because it was kind of like... I don't know. It was... I had made the decision to apply for MFA programs not even, like, nine months before that. Yeah. And I really didn't have a whole lot of, like, oh, I'm definitely going to get in. Like, I didn't think that at all. And they were the first school I heard back from. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember being like, oh, this is real. This yeah. is, like, real, real. So I was kind of, like, terrified. You know, like, I kind of walked outside and, like, everything seemed a whole lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And I felt a whole lot smaller. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, Mine was like that too. It was like middle of the day. I get a call from somewhere in Mississippi, and I had decided like really late in the game. Sure, yeah, I want to apply, but only to Mississippi, and mm. that was what it was. And they called and they were like, "Hey," I was like, "Who's this?" And they're like, "That's how Mississippi conducts business." Yeah, but it was, <laughs> "Hey," I was like, "Yo." 
scary. But it was um Derek Ariel. Shouts mm. out to Derek Ariel, who I had been in contact with just because he was another black dude who had decided to move from a city to Mississippi. And I was like, mm. what was on your mind when he did that? Mm. Um, and so he and I had been in contact, but he had not called me before. And he was like, hey, we're looking for your transcripts and your letters of rec. Where are those? And I'm like, they should be there. You know, I don't really know what you bother me about. They should be there. He's like, uh, okay. And we're looking for your GRE scores. I'm like, that all should really fucking be there. And he's like, could you just tell me what they were? And so I told him, you know, all my shit. And he's like, okay, I'm going to call you back. Goodbye. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And they called back 20 minutes later like, hey, you got in. We just couldn't find none of your shit except the poems. Yeah. Was it Derek that called you back? Yeah. So he was like, did he play it cool when he called back? Like he had never called you before? Yes, he did. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they offered me the little package or whatever. Mm. But uh, it was interesting. I was like, okay. But it does feel like, fuck, I'm, I'm leaving then. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you've not lived in the South before. So okay. like, you couldn't even imagine not even picture no. what that looked like. No, I think I had a very um, fucked up idea yeah. of what it looked like. I had no idea at all, but mm-hmm. um, just seeing it now. sweet tea and foghorn like horn. sweet tea because I don't like that shit. I, I, was, I you don't. don't like you must be tea. having a difficult time. It's too sweet. What? No, I love sweet tea. Shout out to sweet tea. You know what I'm I don't know what Aziz is talking about. Sweet tea's delicious. Aziz is alienating readers from y'all, y'all. Aziz is alienating readers. Here's the thing. You did that, Jose. I'm pointing at Jose. You did that already, day one, talking about Los Angeles is a suburb. Oh, that's right. Talking about New York is a suburb. I did say that. I stand by those statements. You know, listeners, come at me. It's a very controversial podcast. You know, sweet tea, Chicago. Over everything. The South, the North. (laughs) What's on your mind? Oh, my mind? What's on Um, your mind? You know... Uh, small thing, right? So last night when I also couldn't sleep, I realized I had all my rings on. I have like about four rings on three fingers. And the moment I took them off, I knocked out. So perhaps it was just knowing that there was something on my hands. I'm trying to investigate this. Um, I don't know, something like that. But I took them off and it was around six in the morning and I was across from Jason, and he was like, hey, dude, what up? I'm like, ah. And he's like, oh, how are you feeling? You're awake? I'm like, no. <laughs> I go back to bed. Um, bless his heart. And then I knocked out for two hours. So no rings, I've decided. I know that's a small thing, but it's big for my world view. I hear that. And quality of life, Word. to be honest. Yeah, and you're a heavy sleeper. Dude, normally. Not to put your business on front street. I just I mean, hey, like, slept hey. on our couch before, and you slept I'm through not. a blender, I like did. various. But boots. also, thank you for the smoothie. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yo. I was gone when you woke up. You yeah. were. It was wow. interesting. I mean, I'm not the. To my credit, in that case, I had just gotten off a plane, so it might have added to the. Mm-hmm. But yeah, normally I'm like. It's gone. And the dreams are strange. Always. You're a dreamer? Oh, dude. Vivid, scary, scary. You are Jamie, you're a dreamer too? I'm a deep dreamer. Where do they go? What happens? 
I don't know, because I don't remember them, mm. you know, immediately, but they often end up triggered by something in the middle of the day. Mm. So I'll just be like, mm. oh, but it won't even be the dream from last night. It'll be like a dream from two nights ago. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, that's right. I had this whole experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much sleep I get or how like deep of a dream or deep of a sleep it is. No. It's always dreaming. Wow. Do you ever sometimes... Like when you see someone that was in your dream, yes. confuse what happened in the dream for what happened in life. Not out loud. Okay. But in I, your head for a yeah, second. Yeah, <laughs> like, I catch myself about to make a fool of myself. Like, okay. That did not happen in real life. You Dude. Know. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone. I've done that. I've probably had probably three occasions in my life, one of which I can think of vividly, which is when I was in high school, where I dreamt of like a full two years of a relationship. You know, like, with someone who I didn't know very well in the dream. You know, like, I hadn't thought of them in, in this way. I, you know, I didn't have a crush on them. Mm. But in the dream, we were in love. And I felt what it felt like to be in love. Wow. Uh, and, you know, like, we experienced a relationship. The one I'm thinking of vividly was, like, a girl who was in my geometry class. And <laughs> I just remember coming to school the next day and being like, you know, like, I have no idea what's real. <laughs> I'm in love with you, but it's like the me that projected as you in my brain that none of this that. is true. I don't even know you. You know, like, I only know your geometry answers. <laughs> Some of them. Sometimes. But it's wild yeah. the way that it works. It, can, it changes the yeah, whole dude. framing of how yeah. you do it. Were you crushed when you woke up? I was. I was devastated. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember it. From high school, it's not often, you know. Uh, you know, everybody has crazy storylines occur in their dreams, but mm-hmm. that one in particular felt so real that when I woke up, I was devastated because mm-hmm. I was in high. You know, like I didn't, I didn't have any, you know, relationships in high school. I, <laughs> you know, like wanted that. Yeah. I'm sure, right. like a lot of folks do that yeah. just don't have the tools. To <laughs> and it was begin. brought to you. And yeah, it was, it was like, on my doorstep. <laughs> I was anticipating. <laughs> Wow. I was like rubbing somebody's back when they oh. cried. I was having my back rubbed. Wow, back rubs. Back, yeah. Yo. Yo, I had one like a couple years ago. And it's kind of weird when you're older and you're, I don't know, like imagining this whole saga. But this one was like implied saga love story, but only one moment. And it was me and this friend of mine, who again, I'd never thought of that way, you know, before. But it's like we're in a room full of light, and it's so warm, this light. And we're like under these really beautiful sheets where the light is catching, and we're just smiling at each other. Like, wow, you're here, and I'm here. And how awesome is that? And I woke up, and I was like, I just want to go back to that room full of all that light with not quite kind of you, maybe person whoever you were in my head i want to kick it with you that was awesome (laughs) awesome. maybe i'll Um, let them know one day i feel like if you could make a machine that got to at least send you back to whatever dream you just had Mm. you'd be a billionaire oh it's just kind of like a time well you know like a like a like if you backed up all your dreams on an external hard drive or something. I mean, you know, Fitbit or whatever it is. Yeah, like it has. It, there's got to be a way, there's right? It knows way. the way in which your brain was Would functioning you or looked. 
Yo, there's that's some a real question though. that I never the, want to return. Yeah, there, there are some yeah. dreams that were terrible. I've dreamt that like my family was kidnapped. You know what I mean? I've had some terrible ass dreams. Well, you wouldn't decide to go to those ones, right? All you have is loving dreams. They'd be no. up in the cloud, and even those loving dreams. I've had loving dreams, and I'm like, yo. That was a good dream, but do I need to be? <laughs> because if you wake up from a dream like that and you're crushed, like it may have felt good, but you don't want to go through that whole process again. I don't think. Wow, no. you know what? This is like being John Malkovich, kind of. I haven't seen that movie. Oh my god, I've seen Eternal Sunshine, um, which is what I'm thinking of. Oh, I've valid, valid, Sunshine. yes, it is like that. That movie kills me. I'm literally <laughs> weeping and floored by the end of it every time. Devastating. It yeah. is devastating. <laughs> it's like when she says, "Meet me in Montauk." I'm like. Don't do it. Don't go back. It's going to happen again. We used to have a, this is like weirdly tangential, but like we used to have a movie night my freshman year of high school and we'd all go to this one person's house and watch movies. And that was like, we didn't really know each other. And everybody kind of coupled up at some point during this movie club thing. And I remember this girl that I was like kind of into, like we were like cuddling on on this like couch, like sunk into it, watching that film. And I was just like I had never like cried in front of like uh, people that weren't like my family so I was just like oh no I'm crying in front of this girl that I like <laughs> kind of like this is strange <laughs> I don't know how to handle this but you know she was into it yeah she was like oh you're so like you know you're so sensitive <laughs> <laughs> but like it wasn't I wasn't faking though it was no. like that movie really like messed me real. up you are sensitive she's not wrong you know Wow. Also, somebody genuinely crying is a hard thing to say no yeah. to. You know, like, it's a hard thing to not be endeared to. Which yeah. is why in the, you know, like, oral poetry t- tradition, fake crying is, is so bad. You know, like, you have a visceral response to someone fake crying as they read a poem. Yeah. Many. 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 <laughs> a good Oh, handful. my goodness. Go to the National Poetry <laughs> Slam. <laughs> Talking about yeah, the talking tears about are fake tears. Yeah. And you're like, you can't rehearse tears. That's the worst. Yo, I talked to a poet who <laughs> shall remain nameless, right? Forever. Nameless. nameless forever. Because, you know, I don't know where they're at in their psyche when they tell these things, but they I've seen the performance and um I got a feeling some fake tears were happening. And I was sitting there and I was like Alright. You know, it was off-putting. I was upset because I wanted it to not be happening. Because the poem was actually really beautiful. And I was like, man, you don't have to cry to make me believe you more. This is beautiful already. And I spoke with this person afterward and they talked about how like, yeah, I know I'm really in the pocket if I'm like, you know, if something comes out my eyes type shit. And I was like, "This this is sad on a couple of levels because that's not the emotional core of this thing. You know what I mean? You're on the you're on the outside of it. You're on like it sometimes looks like this if I'm hitting that if I'm hitting that spot where I'm connecting with people. Sometimes I cry. But equally if you're at the core of the thing, if you're at the emotional core of the thing, equally you could be laughing. Equally mm. you could be like shaking. You know what I mean? Mm. Like equally you could be chill as fuck and just saying the thing, mm. right? It doesn't have to be one bodily reaction because you're talking about a bodily reaction that's mm. not what's at the root of it at the root of it is a, a, a feeling it doesn't mm. always have to manifest that way so we had we ended up having a good conversation but i, I asked that person about it and i was like what were you going for there because it looked awkward it looked very not of a piece not aligned 
and they were disappointed in their performance. And I was like, there's something underneath that. I think it's powerful, too, because, you know, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but it seems like anyone who genuinely is crying in public has a, a part of their brain that is asking them to, if not stop it, control it in some way. Yeah. You know, like, don't open it up all the way. And you witness that control and that lack of control that when you see someone trying to push the other direction to be like, man, I'm almost crying and I really gotta push it now. It adds to the manipulative, it makes it manipulative because it's a trump card, you know? And it's a trump card because we have to trust the genuine nature of it and the vulnerability that it exudes. So if someone cries as a tool, then it is, yeah, it's really mean. Yeah. That's a good word. You know? But thinking about that, like, even the fact that we would look at tears and be like, oh, that's how I know. Or, But, like, isn't it not just as powerful to look at somebody who's, like, trying really hard not to cry and be like, mm-hmm. oh, that person's really feeling it, right? Like, what? I have this really weird story. I have, I have all these stories. Yes. I've never told this story. I've never really told Please. this story. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Puff Daddy. Uh, <laughs> Maybe tons of the ten daddy. people who were there maybe know this. Um, but they don't even know like the real. But like you know, after Big dies, you know they do. Mm. I'll be missing you, right? Mm. As that tribute. So like my grandma died that same year, and that was like our family is like you know like we would listen to that song and thinking about my grandma or whatever. Mm. So flash forward to like um, I probably like I was probably like fourteen or something. I was hanging out with some friends of mine at their house, and it was just chill. We had like MTV on, and that song came on, and it was just like I could not. Like, stop that emotion from coming up. So I just started crying. Mm. And everyone's like, oh my God, what is wrong? And I was like, I'm not, I, this is what's funny, because I was like, I'm not gonna tell people that I'm crying because of my grandma. That's embarrassing. I'll say, uh, I asked out so and so and she didn't wanna go out with me. So now I'm crying. <laughs> I was like, let me let me go for that one, you know. But yeah, you know, like, I, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about that that feeling of like sitting in a room and being like, I can't really control this. I probably shouldn't like rein it in, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's real. amazing. Yeah, that's the only good thing Puff Daddy ever did for me. <laughs> Besides, put Mace on, you know. I'm yeah, that's how I mean I'm for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So what in that moment makes it more embarrassing to be crying for your grandmother as opposed to well, that's what's not being desirable? That's what I've thought about ever since that moment. Like, as I got older and started to reflect on it, I was like, that's really weird that I thought... Right. But I think something of... I think, you know, like, middle school is a really torturous, awful time, I think, for literally everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I think no matter if you were, like, a bully or bullied, I think everybody there is really, like, kind of, like, messed up. But I think for me... It was admitting to a kind of vulnerability that mm-hmm. I think was deeper than what really, you know, was really that vulnerable in middle school. Like crying about a girl, like you can, you know, you can kind of overcome that. Crying about your grandma at somebody's party, I felt like that was probably further than I really kind of thought. Like, and it was the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. The truth is is what's really vulnerable. I mean, if if some if people are like gonna make fun of you over something that's not true, you could always be like, you you could be like play the role you could be whatever mm-hmm. but it's not true you know what I mean it's ultimately not getting at what's but if someone made fun of you because you're crying because your grandma died mm-hmm. you can't shake that yeah and that's a good point point. and I don't even know because it wasn't really like a conscious like 
like, I'm going to think this out. Let me go right, to the bathroom right, and figure course. out why I'm crying. You yeah. know, it was like somebody was like, are you okay? What's wrong? And I was just like, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. So I think, right, it was some kind of defense mechanism probably. Mm. But It's also outside of the bounds of which, you know, there's like a shared experience, right? Like mm. everyone in middle school is together. People have feelings for each other, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And you, you know, it's somehow less vulnerable to, be vulnerable to say I'm hurt through this thing that we all know as opposed to you know like I have a life outside of this space that you don't know and it means enough to me that I would that it could like break me in the middle of this room that was like my whole middle school experience though I mean I'm Mm -hmm. sure for you know a lot of people you know going to school with people who don't really come from your neighborhood or like don't really have the same experiences as you so like Mm -hmm. when stuff would happen at home and then I come to school and like people be like what's wrong I'll just kind of like you know make some stuff up so totally I'm sure you know uh and not even just middle school, but even thinking of the whole trajectory—middle school to when you leave, even college school. I'm thinking of some of the students I had last semester. I had a mm. student last semester who was really embarrassed because their grandma and their aunt died in the same week, and was like embarrassed to be like, "I can't come to class. I can't do this work." I was like, "I had the same thing." Really? I had the same thing. Like a student emailed me: the aunt had passed, the grandma had passed. And then she was having her own health problems. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, it's really okay. This is just an hour-long discussion section. We'll, we'll talk later. It'll be fine, you know? But that worry, like that panic. And so many of the, of the, the kids that I teach, college kids, are very, like, they will come up to me after discussion, having not spoken. And it's a discussion section. You know, the thing is in the name. Like, we've got to talk, right? And they were like, I had this idea. They'll tell me the idea about the book. And I'll be like, that was brilliant. Why didn't you say that? They're like, I really didn't want to be wrong. I really didn't want to be stupid. And I'm like, I mean, you're not. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that in the room, just that you're not stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And wrong is irrelevant all these authors are dead and even if they weren't (laughs) um, they're not here and even if they were here and you had a different opinion than they did about what they made yeah I mean like my godfather he um, actually lives in the Bronx woody woo he wrote Juice you know that movie Um, and he came down to our class because we were studying like noir like black cinema kind of noir and all the students like had all these questions. They're like, "Oh my God, this is a motherfucker that wrote Juice. He's here, you know, whatever." And they asked them all these questions, like, "Well prepared." They were geeked, not shy or ashamed of their, um, you know, being able to look at a text like that and you know infer things. And he was like, "Man." No, I didn't mean any of that stuff. They were like, well, what did it mean when, you know, like he let, did he let Bishop go or did Bishop slip? Like, what was good? Like, what was that? Did you make the decision? He's like, dude, I wrote some shit where Bishop let go and I wanted it to be black nihilism at its finest. And the studio said no. And that's why that decision was made. Hate to break it to everyone. Hmm. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, Dude, that's shit. a heartbreaking you know? story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm crushed right now. Oh, we were all crushed. Especially, everyone was so excited. They're like, everything must have been in your power. Everything mm. must have been in control. He was like, I was trying to be put on. And I had the screenplay that I liked. And it, there was a lot of mess that went with it, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's like, then the, the worst thing that happened was we all learned some shit about... In the industry, I suppose. Damn. Not to not to take this in a not heavy situation, but I feel like why is it that 
the kids with the brilliant stuff never speak, and all the stupid kids will say stuff like, <laughs> real quick. Like they never, they, they never go like, mm. no one ever comes to me after class and is like, I wanted to say this in class, but I didn't want to say it. And I was like, yeah, you shouldn't have. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Thank you for not saying this. I think intelligence and discretion go together, though, you know? Because if you have something that's worth saying, then it's something that other people could pick apart, Yeah. too, you know? And then it matters to you. If you were going to, if you were just, like, in class, shooting blanks, <laughs> you know? Just trying to get those participation yeah. points. You're like, right. yeah. say whatever I can. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I would, real. yeah, I, I had a, a student like that, and for the first, like, month, he didn't speak at all, and I was like, oh, that kind of bums me out, working really hard to get you to speak, dude, in the back. and he would always sit in the back so that we would be like this, you know, you can't avoid looking at this person, and he finally speaks once we get to, like, Augustine's Confessions, teaching that. And then I can't get him to ever stop. And he's just like, man, this shit is some, like, this is some bullshit. I thought this dude was supposed to be a bishop. He's supposed to be celibate, all this stuff, talking about all these women. And I'm like, you need to read the book. It happens. It happens before it becomes a bishop. He's like, yeah, I just still think it's really inappropriate that he would do all that stuff. I mean, I know it's hard. I'm like, oh, God, I can't have this conversation with just read the book. I know you haven't read it. I know you're really excited, but I know you haven't read this shit. Damn. But you maybe read, like, one page and you were like oh there's sex in it I'm gonna go talk in class <laughs> I mean I, I love him though like, I feel like that's great. a good collegiate archetype yeah. someone who's really pumped and hasn't done the reading yeah you know <laughs> that was this dude Damn. I was like hey dude I'm I'm really grateful for the contributions and people are now starting to actually say stuff around your like non-point. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you need you need best. those kids yeah. to kind of like if nobody wants to talk, you need somebody to say something outlandish. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a student. You know, we read a reading where these parents in Canada like decided to raise their children without gender, mm-hmm. and this kid just came in and was like. I can't read this. This is offensive. There's no difference between sex and gender. Blah 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 blah. Oh my god! And I'm sitting here like, okay. I cannot comfort this kid because he's a student. <laughs> like I'm a professor, right. so I was just like, "Does anybody have anything to say?" Anything? <laughs> I just let everyone else kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny that you just kind of like throw them to the wolves. You're like, "All right, y'all, here's some easy meat right here." <laughs> I did have to come back later and be like, look, I'm just going to come off my professor pedestal and just tell you, you can't walk through the world saying stuff like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. after everybody else. Cause I was just like, I just want you to know, like, this is not about a grade. This is yeah. about like how you live. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't care. Well, but I there are those people. I tried. Yeah. It's all you, I mean, it's all you can really do what? truly is just try I mean, like, so with my students, they, on Old Miss's campus, they would fly the Mississippi State flag, which has the Confederate flag in it, right? And so every day for a month when I'm first walking to work, I'm seeing this, like, flag that's, you know, means a life wherein I'm subservient to me when I see that shit. And it's also a war flag, and you lost. So it looks a little stupid to me. I'm like, you are <laughs> waving a flag. You are sore losers with this shit. Um, but I'll walk to work, i see the thing, I'll be like, alright, that's interesting. They take it down. A bunch of the like student senators petition to have it taken down. It's no longer there. And I'm like, interesting. I will posit this to the class, because it was like your peers on some level that 
did this. And I was like, hey, well, what do y'all think? Crickets. Like, cricket town. They were just like, I don't want to tell her. You know, like, I'm not, <laughs> you know. And then I had to remember what I looked like in that position. It's just like, you know, this queer black woman standing up, asking them what they think about, like, Confederate flag stuff. And this one student said, like, well, my homie visited from Jackson, Mississippi, and he was like, well, I just thought that was y'all school flag. I didn't understand the big deal. Like, he didn't know it was the state flag, actually. And I was like, that's wild. Asked, like, all my classes, all three classes, and they were just like, what do you think? Because I don't really want to do that with you right now. Like, they didn't want to tell me what they personally thought about it. And a lot of them have Confederate flag stickers on their laptops. On their laptops? On their lap. They're, like, sitting in class with their laptop open, facing you? And it's, like, the colonel, the little dandy colonel Mm -hmm. and the Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't be nicer to me. And it's kind of just, like, I'll see them open the laptop and I'm just like, oh, God, you know, I have a moment. But I'm like, I can't, I can't. I'm not, no, I don't know. Something stalls when I see that. And I'm like, there's only but so much I can do and not do. And I can't dock you points from having a flag I find offensive on your laptop. This is how you live your life. And you're kind to me. And I really don't know what that's about. But, you know, I don't know. But they would not talk about that. They were like, we're just not going to bring it up. And they were just like, well, what do you think? I was like, well, it's really nice not to see a war flag on the way to work. And they were like, okay, can we please have class? I don't want to do this. Oh, they were annoyed. Do you think because most of them wanted the flag up? Or do you think they were scared of like what their classmates thought or what you thought or just uncomfortable with the conversation in general? Just uncomfortable, I think. Um, Very purely uncomfortable. Maybe because they didn't know what they thought about it. Yet. Either that, it's, I mean, <clears throat> that's how it feels. Either that or like they clearly know what that flag means and are trying to distance. That's what's really weird. It's like you talk about them being kind to you. It's, it's like if they know what it means and they're still trying to like change the meaning of it in some kind mm-hmm. of way. You hear that argument all the yeah. time. It's about heritage, not heritage. Hate. Yeah, tradition. Yeah. It's like they have those stickers too. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like, well, what tradition though? Right. You know, but it's weird. It's like this, you know, split in uh, like. Like two different minds occupying the same body, you sure. know, where they're like, I can believe that the tradition that I come from is important and should be upheld, but I can still be really nice to you because, you know, like you're a good person, mm-hmm. even though if this tradition were still in place, you would not be teaching no. my class right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's, a, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know how I think. I think when people, Lord, I have this whole crazy theory about like school shootings and stuff like that Mm. Uh, but I think like I really think that when people kind of go off and do stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's really this collapse in their ability to keep these things separate Mm. like not necessarily like a mental illness thing I know that comes up a lot and people use that but sometimes I think it's just like whatever they think about the world and whatever is actually happening it starts to like come in Mm -hmm. so because a lot of times it ends up being these like white male shooters right Mm -hmm. all the time you know Mm -hmm. so like I think a lot of times they talk about this loss of control and they talk about losing you know the the world that they thought yeah you know and i just think at some point their rationale that is able to keep everything in check just crumbles because you can only stand up against the truth for so long yeah you know and so sometimes people go out and do 
crazy shit, shit. Yeah. you know I mean that's just a theory I don't you know there's also the element in that classroom of like I can be nice to you but I don't have to witness your pain from this you know we have a structure inside of the classroom that prevents me from doing that mm-hmm. and to witness your pain is obviously just that's not even the base of it it's like I don't have to face myself in the mm-hmm. witnessing of your pain I don't have to ask hard questions if I distance myself from that you know like I'm just yeah. trying to think of even <clears throat> like I was a freshman in high school when my brother came out of the closet, you know, and at, at that point in time, you know, like all my friends were, you know, like gay was a negative word that you said about somebody's backpack or like about somebody's shoes. Uh, and, you know, like he's my brother, you know, like there's no distancing myself from his pain. So I'm like, oh man, that television show is gay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he's a strong, person and we have a good relationship he looked at me and said you know why why are you saying that that hurts me when I say it I'm like no you know I don't mean it like (laughs) I don't mean it like that and 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 he was still hurt and I still you know what I mean like because there was no way to distance myself from a pain that I didn't have any functional logical reason to be causing Mm. uh I had to, you know, like, I had to change. It wasn't easy, you know, like, that's not, I mean, obviously, no comparison to his plight there. But it wasn't easy, but it's that, I think people set up their lives to prevent them from looking at a pain that they might be causing for a really illogical reason. Totally. And I'm still thinking about what you said earlier about vulnerability, like, being exhausting. I think what's exhausting about it is that you put all of this energy and investment into something and people still might distance themselves because they're scared of your vulnerability mm-hmm. and they're scared of what you're putting out there. So like you don't want to be vulnerable because it's hard because you don't quite know how people are going to take it, yeah. you know? And I think, um, you, I think that's, you know, we can easily talk about that in terms of poetry, you know, like you get up and like read some stuff that you feel like is really vulnerable and nobody says anything after. So. <laughs> Great. Oh, yeah. You can really write, you know? Yo, I love your line breaks. You're like, what? (laughs) What? What? Could you see this? (laughs) One of the first readings that I got a a chance to do, I was in college, and they had just started this, like, acoustic spot, um, you know, over, like, it was like a brand new cafe on campus. And my friend ran it. He was like, yo, you should do a feature, 30 minutes, do whatever you want. And I'm like, word, I can do that. I'm a poet. I have poems. And I'm like, damn, 30 minutes is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like 20 years old. I'm like coming from the world of slam where, you know, of course, everyone always tells you like, yo, no, uh, no prefaces, no nothing. Just read the poem, right? And so I, I get 30 minutes worth of poems. <laughs> And I like read a poem, no, and then there's silence. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see me shuffle papers, and I pull up the next one, and I jump into the next one. For 30 minutes, oh people sat God. through that. And then afterwards, people were like, People were like, they didn't even know what to say to me. They were like, damn. 
fucked up. <laughs> they didn't say that to me, but you could see it in their face. They were like, damn, man. Like, I don't know. Like, like, wow. I remember that's when I was like, damn, yo, fuck that no preface shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to, like, talk in between my phones. I need to, like, right. well, find some way right? to, like, set people up and to, like, prime them and to open up the room afterwards. Yeah. I just can't keep making it smaller and smaller or, like, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I think there's a difference between, like, Oh, you are doing the OD disclaimer right now. Like, disclaimer. I don't even That's know what you're doing. You're kind of mincing about things are happening. Nothing near the poem is happening. We are now down the street from the poem, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we'll ever get there. That's, I think, one thing. But to preface and be like, I loved watching, um, uh, like, when I was a much younger poet, like, 17, and I saw um, Buddy Wakefield perform at Brave New Voices and he would just be talking like to you and then a poem would have started about 30 seconds ago and you're like oh shit well I guess I should really listen I mean I was already listening but now I'm really listening because this sounds prepared you know mm-hmm. and, and it was just seamless and Safia does that where um, yeah. she'll do all the poems in a row but there's something really hypnotic about it because uh, she memorized all of them yeah. so it's just all in her head and I think she was telling me that, like, her grandfather, when he would write poetry, it was a similar thing. Like, wow. if you're going to recite a, re- you know, do a recitation, wow. all the poems. People also like preparation. It yeah. makes them feel comfortable. Yeah. And so there are so many different ways to be uncomfortable as an audience member, mm-hmm. you know? Like, totally. there is the vulner- like, <laughs> certainly a vulnerable poem, I, you know, that is like comes out of nowhere and might have left and you don't know whether the speaker's okay up there and you're you know like if you're just spending your Friday night then that can be a hard that can be like a hard place whereas you have someone like Safia who has these incredible poems but you sit there and you listen and you're like Oh, Safia has got like Safia thought about this yeah. set before it happened. Yeah. And my yeah. job is to sit back and be affected yeah. right now. Yeah. You know? I think that's the thing. I think you have to have an idea of like where you're taking the audience. You yes. know what I mean? I was just up there like pulling one poem after the next. Like, <laughs> <laughs> seeing the room get quiet and everybody sweating. I was just like, I also had no idea where I was going. I was just like, oh, I think this is a good place to end. <laughs> I was gonna ask how you felt. Because, so, like, I used to play in, like, a post-hardcore type band as, like, a teenager. And we, uh, we'd have, like, ten-minute sets. And we would just get up there, play all the songs, and get the fuck off stage. Yeah. You know? And so, reading poems, I want to have this, like, impulse to do the same thing. Hmm. People are like, you got to preface it. And I'm like, but if I think about it beforehand, and, like, it flows, and, like, well, you know, maybe not. But I was going to ask, like, because you didn't really have a kind of, like, thought of where you were going to go. In those moments where you were figuring it out... Were you listening to the audience and being like, "Oh no, like I don't know if this is going well or not"? Oh, I, I could tell. I could, I sensed the silence, and it wasn't the silence that I like wanted. You know what I mean? Like I could tell that something was not right, and but I also didn't. I, you know, I was too young and too inexperienced to know how to move it in a different direction, to make an adjustment on the fly, and be like, "Well." Things aren't going the way I thought they were. Let me let me like put a break in here. Mm. Also, thirty minutes of poems is a lot of. I must have read twenty five poems. Yeah, like I read a whole manuscript. You know what I mean? And I was. That's just too many poems. You always have to underball that, yo. Like if someone gives me an hour, I'm like forty five. 
You know, if that, like, you don't... 45 is you a long You think set. you want an hour. You I, think you want a lot of things. Yeah. You don't want me to stand up and talk at you for an hour. I, I promise. Yeah, I'm what's like, the what's, worst? what's the worst that's gone? Oh, the worst? Um, I don't know. It, I'm trying to... I mean, like, I've... Oh, this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long. Yeah. No, it's... I mean, I've been very blessed. I've been very lucky. Like, um, I've been trained, like, in acting. So a lot of... By the time I got to reading my own poems, like, in front of people, I had a sense of what really looks horrible in a room. You know what I'm saying? Like, poetry or otherwise. Just, like, if a person is not... Um, controlling the space you know they teach us that like our first year in training it's just like hey it's your space you should actually do with it and be intentional about it you know like in every way so I was very lucky in that sense but I remember I was featuring at the poetry lounge and I was so happy it was my first feature at the poetry lounge I'm like 20 I'm hype it's my hometown like I mm. came up through the, I was like it's lit it's actually lit invited my parents they invited their friends with my friends parents you know like wow. parents in the building like <laughs> <laughs> and all my friends and everything and I was just like and I was about to go to Ghana like I was like yo life is awesome and I go in there and um, I have all my little things prepared. You know, my book just came out. I was like, everything is good. And all the people on the open mic before me were these, like, I think women hater people. Like, or just men. And they were, just, like, <laughs> underthought. You know what I'm saying? Underthought men. AKA. Um, not all, not. right? But underthought people. Underthought mm. men. And they, were, they came from the little comedy training place around the corner. And they wanted to try their new stand-up. So it's like about six of these people, and they get up there and they're just like um, making jokes like this. They're like, uh, you know, I'm not addicted to like drugs or alcohol. I got one addiction. I'm addicted to pussy. I can't get enough, man. All this stuff, and I'm like, you mean rape people? That's raping people. If you're addicted to, pu- and you just run around like, ah, you are raping people. There's no way. It's just like there's a whole person attached to that thing you're addicted to. What is? this what is the base of your dick and then another person comes up saying something along the same lines like you know like this other dude one of them was like um i will save you woman from your scandalous hoish ways if you just would be with a good man and i would I'm like you know just be with a good man you know and i'm sitting there and i'm literally devastated i'm like they are not gonna like me one because no. And two, I've never been more offended in my whole ass life. I'm like really disgusted and so nervous. I- so I get up there and I start reading and halfway through I'm feeling like really disingenuous. I'm like, I can't let that I can't let the fact that that just happened have just happened, you know? And so I drop like all my poems and I'm like, hey I just need to make an announcement. <laughs> I'm like Okay, pussy and the people attached to it are awesome. They're awesome. And you have no right to run around talking about ah, 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 all this stuff. I mean, I, and I'm pointing. I'm like, and you crazy. And I was just like, and I'm sure all y'all.
y'all think you're all gonna get pussy tonight. You are not. No one will go home with you. I'm Ooh. going off. And I'm just like, and you know what you should do to women? You should like walk up to them and shake their hands like soldiers and thank them. You wouldn't be here. Alright, next poem. <laughs> the next poem's like an erasure, nobody claps. I'm just like, the crowd, the crowd was not responding. I mean, they clapped in the moment. They were like, yay. But they were just like, and I didn't really sell that many books. I sold like yeah. two books. They were not feeling the kid. And this one dude came up to me after and was like, hey, you know, I understand your little pussy rant. And I was like, that's how he phrased it? Yes. Oh my and God. I was just like, you know what? All y'all could go die in a bucket, man. I'm mm. upset. But I, I don't regret the rant. I don't regret it. But that night, I did not make money for real. And I did not. I mean, I made what they were going to pay me anyway. But they, they were siding with the pussy addicts. Wow. Damn. That was rough. Anytime somebody sides with the open mic, it's just problematic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, on one level. Yeah, yeah. But, like, also, what the fuck is... Who comes I'm, Who comes to a poetry reading and does stand-up comedy? Oh, all of them. Because they opened up a little, like, comedy thing. Oh, so, okay, with the Poetry Lounge, it's right off of Melrose, which is, like, near Hollywood Land. So there are all these acting classes, all mm. these comedy classes, and they spill over into the nearest place where you can speak, the voice receptacle, essentially. And so they try to <laughs> practice all their sets. But then, wonderfully, like, Sheehan later on was like, yeah, y'all are wildin'. This is ridiculous. You can't come up here and, and do this shit no more. And I really appreciated that. I was like, the... No one is saying, and, and none of the other women were saying anything. They were laughing along, clapping along to the Captain Save a dude. They were like, mm, You are a good brother, aren't you? I was like, No! He's part of the problem! He sucks! Like, he thinks that you don't know yourself. That's what he's saying. But nah, I think, I think a lot of folks just don't want to side with the person who's deeply angered about something. Mm. You know, they'd rather side with someone who mm. seems like. I'm chilling, even if chilling is, you know, co-signing stupidity. But that's exactly what you experience in your classroom. Yeah. When you want to talk about the Confederate flag and nobody really wants to go there. Yeah. You know, so. That's true. You have some good training, at least for yeah. dealing with that. It's, it's right. <laughs> so when I get crickets, I'm just like, all right. Like, I'm not going to take this so personally. <laughs> 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 Oh, shout out to the Poetry Lounge. Shout out to GPO. Shout out to Shion. A lot of love for you. Truly. Yo, and he was, like, afterward, he was just like, yo, you did great. Like, I'm, thank you for doing that. Um, He was the only one. He's awesome. (laughs) He is. He's good people. What about you, Jimmy? Worst? Worst reading experience? Worst behavior. (laughs) Whenever I hear the word worst, I just think about Drake. Remember? (laughs) (laughs) Never loved us. I don't know. I mean, I can't even. I can't even think of what the worst might be. Sometimes they're all just varying degrees of uncomfortable. You mm. know, <laughs> like that one was less uncomfortable than the last one. All right. Cool. It's a montage. What yeah. Like, yeah. 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 montage. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think undoubtedly it was something that I did. You know, it was something I would have done back home in Louisville. Where, you know, because there's not a real big poetry community there. And so, like, 
people just come because like they're your friends, right? They're like, oh, I'm gonna support my friend in this thing. Wow. You know, I came up through the DIY punk community, so like, you know, everybody was in bands, so like we were used to doing that for each other and showing up. Mm-hmm. But like, no one else wrote poetry, so they didn't really know like what that was about. Actually, I'll tell you what the weirdest thing I ever did was. Um, I did this reading a year ago this week. Um, it came up on my Facebook memories thing oh, a nice. couple days ago. <laughs> I do like the memory thing. I kind of like it. I'm it, into it. It keeps me in this weird nostalgia that I don't Same. like, but, you know, like it's okay. It's oh, okay. I do okay. like the nostalgia. Yeah. I kind of I don't, I don't want to go into it. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I might go into it. Yeah. I'll take that you. Out. Yeah, that's, you got it. But no, we, I did this, some bars for Facebook. I did this reading. Um, it was in the basement of this bar. They had this real cool space with like couches and it was like low lit. And they would show like silent films like projected and whatever. But I did this reading where I did, uh, they had experimental musicians improving behind me. And we would kind of improv together. Um, and coming out of a music background, like I was ready for that, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready for any of the responses. Like no one, no one said anything after any of the poems were over. Mm. No one said anything to me afterward. I got all these Facebook messages later and it wasn't, it wasn't that, I don't know that I felt, yeah, I don't know that I felt uncomfortable in the moment, but it's always, you know, that moment afterward where I start to kind of come back into, like, my ego, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, now I'm my, myself again. And all these people are just like, oh, I had I had just kind of written this whole batch of poems about, like, my father that, like, Greg Parlow made me go home and write, you know, mm-hmm. um, after I did a workshop with him. Right. You know, he's like, this is what you got to write about. And so I was reading all these poems, and all these people didn't know this thing about me, mm-hmm. you know? So it was weird because I'm reading to people who have known me for years but don't know this part. So that was kind of uncomfortable um, because nobody ever brought that up like afterward. Like mm-hmm. nobody's ever like, so what's going on with that? Or like, I don't know. It was like, all right, I've seen you perform this thing and, and deal with this. But it was like, I'm not going to go there with you. And I don't know. I don't want to like put project that onto anybody. Yeah. I think it might have just made a lot of people uncomfortable. They were yeah. just like, damn, like I don't even, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to deal with that. So speaking of Greg, I mean, Greg is someone who I've heard talk a lot about almost the, and I don't know that he would say it like this, but it's what I took from what he said is like the separation of personal experience and art making. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I lived my life and with my life, I made art, mm-hmm. you know, and that wow. art was a separate thing. I've never heard that before. That's uh, good. Yeah. yeah, he said it. He was visiting a workshop when he said it. Hmm. You know, people drop gems mm-hmm. on the workshop. Uh but, you know, like, I think that there is that feeling sometimes when you see someone, you say, all right, well, they're, you know, you're standing in a, in a room sharing really personal details, but you're sharing art, you know, like, yeah. and it's hard as an audience member and a socializer, especially if it's not your close friend. I mean, it's weirder if it's your close friend, you know, like if your close friend is writing poems that are like, I'm not all right. Yeah. You know, then it's easier to maybe talk to them about it. Sometimes not though. Like, well, no, that's what was you so know strange, what I mean? Though, like, was that it was the room full of people that I knew really well. Right. So because I totally agree with that whole distance that you have to put there. You know, because otherwise I wouldn't write any of these poems. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. it would be impossible to really do that. But I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm making art, which you know I am, but I have to kind of treat it in this jokingly kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was it was so strange because it was like all these people that I had known forever, and so I was like. Like they had never seen me read before, and I was talking about the stuff they never heard me talk about before, so it was it was strange in that kind of way. I mean, I wasn't expecting that because, like, obviously going through the process of writing those poems, I kind of like 
healed myself yeah. and dealt with that myself. I didn't need anybody to like come up and like cradle me and like feed me Cheerios, like you know, you know, whatever. But like, it was still strange that there was still like this kind of silence around it, like even after the reading was over. I love the hyper specificity of the feeding you Cheerios. <laughs> Don't know where that came what's from. What's gonna be the first thing? I don't need anybody to feed a, me Cheerios. As a point of your always need somebody to feed me some Cheerios. There's a time and a place. I always use that. I always need to be cradled and fed breakfast cereals. Preferably Cheerios. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit of honey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel you, though. It's it's a difficult thing to... I mean, like, any of my friends in L.A., like, who went to go see me read or whatever afterward, the only thing I ever hear from them is, like, that was good. You know, like, that was great. And that that's it. That's where, you know, where the sidewalk ends. But, like, if it's in New York, we'll be talking about the poem after, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, the joy of the people here is... Or the people I've met here is just, like... You'll talk about the work, but it'll always be as work. Mm-hmm. I think in very few cases, it's not work. But, like, if some of my really close friends out here saw me, like, break during a poem or kind of, like, lose it... They'll ask me, like, Saf will always ask me after, like, yo, you good? Like, what's good? Like, let's go talk for a couple hours about this, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, it, very few people want to do that part, I think. Yeah. The worst reaction I ever got was uh, I wrote a chapbook with a friend of mine. This is before home court. It was a chapbook called Seeing Double. And the idea was we were sharing prompts every day. And then off the same prompt, we would write completely different poems, right? So we collected a bunch of these poems into a manuscript, and we, like, published it ourselves and started selling it. But we did this show together, um, and a lot of the poems that I was writing was about uh, my parents' house was foreclosed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we had lost the house, um, and I, I, like, was writing a lot about that. And so I, like, read a bunch of those poems at a show and afterwards you know I, I usually feel good after shows because I'm like oh I did a good job you know what I mean someone came up to me and I'm like feeling good and then they're like yo I'm sorry that sucks and I felt like such pity and I immediately just felt damn. everything yeah. drop away and I was like damn this is the worst feeling in the world I never mm. want to write another poem again dang like, I just I don't, I don't want to be pitied you know yeah. what I mean yeah I'm not here for that. Yeah. You know? Totally. I, I don't know that I, I have written about, like, my parents and their house since then, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just remember being like, damn, that sucks. Yeah. That was bad. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, because I, I feel like that's kind of what maybe you were kind of getting at, or maybe even what Greg might have been getting at, because maybe there are some people out there who write with an expectation of maybe that's the response they'll get. Mm. Let me put all of my stuff out in the world and get some pity because mm. of that, you know? And I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with that. If that's right, what right. you need... Right. But, like, also, like, if that's what you need, don't get on stage. Because like, I feel like you need to be in the care of people who are going to really help you. Yeah. And Lord knows I don't trust an audience full of people I don't really know. Real to, talk. To, like... So, you know, but I... Or even an audience of people that I really know. You know what I mean? Like, right. often, I need to, like, talk to a professional. <laughs> Shout out to therapists. <laughs> or just this that it's a really private mean. moment. Like, 
if it's a therapist, if it's the home, it can't be a room full of folks expecting a, a show, you know? Mm. You can't, like, I think that's the part that makes me, like, cradle myself. It's like mm. the idea that you would need it to be a show, really, you know? Or, like, there are people who do that, wanting pity in the form of a show is like, no, don't. I mean, it, it just reminds me of like really shitty holidays with the fam where like yeah. that one uncle wants to make a speech and you're like, oh, Lord, child. And then he does and you're like, ah, everybody's sad, you know? And it's like, mm. you, you could have just not speechified this. You could have mm. just sat at the table, the tables right there with us. And, you know, there's a different way to do it. I think as well, just the way in which you said it, Jeremy, the, you know, like the writing of these poems was my form of processing it. Yeah. Not of like fixing what needs to be fixed or not fixed or whatever, you know, but just of processing it. Jean Ann talks a lot about folks hitting her up like her poems are in the present. And she's oh, like, wow. no, I wrote it, you know, like, yeah. I'm actually good. You don't need to follow up with me about that poem, right. specifically fans, of which she has many rabid you know, shout out to Jean Amber Lee fans. Hey. You know, Y'all are like loyal. you. Yeah. Uh, but don't ask her if she's all right. She is. <laughs> <laughs> she's doing she's, very she, well. Yeah, she's the yeah. best. That's the thing, right? Like, I couldn't have shared those poems if I wasn't all right. Yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying? I couldn't have gotten on yeah. stage and read those words out loud. Yeah, you have to have hit a certain level of like, all right, it's okay, you know? I'm okay. We good, me and my past. Yeah. We Gucci, and now I'm here with y'all. I don't know. People, I think, have... Um... But it's also weird when people come up to you after the show and they think they know you fully, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they try to talk to the person they think they know, which is the person they've just created in their yes. mind. But they do know you some. Yeah. And the disjunct is like, you don't know them any. Yeah. You know, like, and that's a hard... Huh. Thing, I you know, yeah, you're reading, you do know you some, yeah, you know, and they're like, Oh man, I really like you. We just went on this great <laughs> first date, except I wasn't there. It's like the dream again, it's like if you went up to the girl in the geometry class and you were like, Hey, babe, no, what up? You know, and you're my like, everything, boo. Word. So that's all we got for y'all today. Thank you so much, yeah, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, this was great. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy you want to close us out with, you know, a poem for the people? Let's see what I got. Yes. There's always poems to be read. Very lit. And where can they find you? Like, what's street. your address? <laughs> <laughs> I've, done, I've done so much work to make myself. Apartment number. <laughs> no, you know, like, I really don't. It's funny because I don't have a whole lot of stuff out there right now. Um, I am, you know, I'm doing this reading coming up on, Lord, what? what's today? Is today Friday? Today's Friday. A week from today, I'm doing a reading. So that'll probably be before we release this. I know. <laughs> so, so I know that it was dope. So was I'm gonna podcast. do this reading, and it, it's gonna be. It was great. <laughs> it was a great reading. <laughs> you missed it. Unfortunately, yeah. you were not there. Maybe you were there, and, and now you're listening. That brought you to the podcast. In which case, thank you. You already know it was a great reading. Uh, but yeah, look out for Jeremy. Um, Let's see. What, sorry, I'm. 
No, no, you can keep doing that. We'll, yeah. we'll continue to stall yeah. for time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> I'll say, you know, my worst reading was uh, I was doing a master cleanse. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> it was on like what, day eight of what lemonade. You just drink water and lemonade and cayenne pepper. That sounds terrible. It was bad. Uh, this was in 2008, though. And so the only poems I had were like slam poems. You right. know, like I... Uh, and my brother w- had like shot some stuff and was working with Scion. My brother's a photographer, uh, and him and his partner called me because Scion was throwing some big party for other clients, and they were like, "Oh man, my brother does poetry. You should do. You should just get him." And so my brother like called me and was like, "We can fly you to Boston today." to do poetry for these people. And it was like, the people who were organizing were, were just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, we'll get a, we'll get a donkey, we'll get a poet. And so, they put Same me in there, I was so weak. I said I was doing the master class because I was like, weak in the bathroom. I like, couldn't move. Like, what am I doing here? And then I had to do, you know, like, I don't, now I have a million things where I might have done, I probably would have just like, talked to the people to start out. But like you, I was like, you know, no preamble. I'm just gonna do this like loud poem about masturbation. <laughs> you know, You're like, what's I was like, song? you know what always kills good? All the slam audiences. I got this is poem about this masturbation. Hey, sign up right now, me and do masturbation. And I'm dying. And it was just like people eating shrimp cocktails, <laughs> like talking really loud. You know, like the, oh they listened for 30 seconds of my 10 minute set and then just were like nah we're at a cocktail party we're just gonna converse while you do this it's uh, like you're a piano so player. it was aw- yeah. yeah it was wow. aw- it, but I was like a loud piano <laughs> there's nothing awkward about like a Cesar piano Taylor. player <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like a dude screaming on the train oh except it was a cocktail party like oh. Seriously, it's about masturbation though. Like you cannot <laughs> yeah. lose that fact. You know no, I mean? you can't. You're not playing masturbation on the piano. You no, know what I'm saying? You're yelling. But I even talked to the organizer. Like before the set, I had been like, "Okay, I'm gonna lead with this poem. These are the first three lines," and he was like, "That's hilarious. Do that." <laughs> Just and probably was. Shout hilarious. out to Sion. Oh. That person is probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it was if probably said, worth it. Yeah, yeah, if you said yes to that poem at a cocktail <laughs> party, you probably deserve to be fired. Dude, I felt that way walking into certain rooms, like, man, I don't know if this is gonna go so well. Like, this really might not. Wait a second. Huh. Can I tell the story real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so what had happened was I was 18, 17. I had just gotten back from my first poetry workshop ever. Wow. Um, just really, like, hyped. And I'm hanging out, and a friend of mine's like, oh, hey, I work at the Teen Outpost at the public library. Do you want to come and read some poems for, this, for the kids who come and hang out? I'm like, oh, that would be amazing. You know, like, whatever. So I invite a bunch of my friends, and I'm like, hey, come do this thing. It'll be cool. I got a couple other people to read with me. <laughs> so we go, and when he said kids, he literally meant kid <laughs> we were the only people over the age of 10 no. <laughs> me and my crew oh my god I up like 8 people and I was like oh I just turned around I immediately apologized like, <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't have like I don't have kid poems like yeah. you know so I think I had like I, I think I had like one that. poem where I was like 
Yeah, so I'm going to keep this really short. I'm kind of sick or something. I don't know. I made some right. kind of excuses. He's like, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming down with the flu right now. <laughs> it, was, wow. it, was, it was mad awkward. And I felt like, you know, um, the person did not inform me completely of what the situation was going to be. They should have told you they were going to be 10 and under. I would have said no. Yes. <laughs> I would have. I feel like I would have been doing him a service. I was yeah. like, no, you don't want me to read. Nah, that, to that's interesting. You always wonder about the people who acquisition you for these things. Mm. <laughs> Where it's like, really? Did you really want me to read to the fifth graders? Like yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Young Chicago authors booked me, Nate Marshall, and Adam Gottlieb to go up to a music festival in Milwaukee and they're like, yeah, you guys are going to get on stage. You're going to read a poem together. It's going to be good. So we did not have a poem written together so we stay up all night. We buy all the Red Bull. Oh, we God. buy all... Nate's like, yo, my dad's a truck driver. This is the stuff he drinks to stay up at night. So we're like, you know, I don't even drink coffee at this time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm over here just like downing five-hour energies one after oh. another. You know what I mean? And That's we buy like good. five bags of Cheetos and flaming hots, and Flaming we're like, we're gonna write, right. we're gonna write these, we're gonna write this poem together, and we write a five minute poem, uh, and we show it to Kevin Colville, and Kevin's like, yo, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like at eight in the morning the next day. We had it slept. We were really excited about this poem. Kevin is like, no, you can't read that. Oh my god. And so we go back to like our little shared room and we like cut it down to two minutes and we memorize it. It's not all the way memorized, but it's like mostly memorized and we go back and we read it. They're like, yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. (laughs) The poem was called uh, How to Save America and it was about malt milkshakes (laughs) because because Adam Gottlieb was really hilarious and he was really into malts at the time. And then we get to the show and they're like, yeah, yeah. So, so y'all <laughs> killed Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy's dead, y'all. We get to, to the Milwaukee Summerfest, and they're like, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna put you guys on the five-year-old stage. I heard you guys do poetry, and we just look at each other, and we're like, what? and we're like, no, no. We just like, no. Like, first of, there's so many curse words in this poem. They're five years old. They're like this is like the babysitter stage. All the parents are out, you know, getting drunk, listening to Drake, and this is the stage where their kids are like hanging out, listening to Barney. You know what I mean? I'm like stressed out listening to this. And Nate and Adam and are just like, no, what are you? We're gonna open for Kanye West right now. What are you talking about? That's what we've been telling people. Oh my god. They're like, no, 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 y'all got the kid stage. Go do that. One poem. Can only be one poem. Uh, you're up in 10 minutes. And they, they, Adam and I are like, well, fuck it. Adam, Adam had a poem that was about Pokemon. And so we were like, Adam, okay. go do the poem about Pokemon. We didn't even go to the show. We like, Nate and I went to the playground and we like laid Aww. down in the sandbox <laughs> and took a nap. You know what I'm saying? We were so angry. And tired. Yes, and uh, then Adam did the same thing, and he was walking around. <laughs> Adam was not wearing shoes during this time. Okay. He was like... Just I, as a rule? As a rule, he was like, okay. he was like, I talked to this dancer, and she told me that you don't, if you don't wear shoes, your feet will get stronger. So I'm not wearing shoes because I want strong feet. <laughs> <laughs> and so this dude was... This dude fell asleep <laughs> under... Under, like, 
you know, a bridge, you know, those bridges in the, the park sets or whatever. He's and kids were like coming and like trying to poke him with a stick. It was it was a very <laughs> weird situation. Very needless to say, uh, very upsetting. But yeah, why why didn't they tell us that to start with? That it was like five year olds. I thought we were opening for Kanye West. I really did. I like to think those kids were trying to get his autograph or something. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the Pokemon guy. Like, yeah. let's get his autograph real quick. <laughs> He's asleep. Don't be the interrupter. He might be the. They not would like legit like walking around like bodyguards because people just kept. <laughs> Oh, like man. looking at him and trying to take pictures with him, and we we're like, no, no, no he's cool. He's cool. <laughs> he just pulled it all it's night such last a stressful night. Stressful story. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very bad. Amazing. Anyway, with all that being said, Jeremy, <laughs> Lord, do you want to do you want to read us a poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you should know only ten year olds and under listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Please, well, I'm up get, age I'm a, give me like thirty seconds. I'll get Aziza to beep out all the curses. <laughs> We'll work on this. There's yeah. no five seconds. I don't think there's any in this one. All right, so oh. ladies and gentlemen at home, put yep, your yep. hands together. Make some noise for Jeremy Clark. All right, this poem's called Last Night in Louisville. It's kind of about, kind of, and also not, you know, the, the night before I moved away to come up here. <clears throat> uh, last Night in Louisville, Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't wake this morning because I never slept. For what felt like the final time I crawled through the window of an old life. All night I laughed with a woman who pinched fire in her palm. Leaving the bar, she slipped a faded photo in her pocket. In it, I was clean-shaven, wide-eyed, not like now. Now, my mind is a flickering streetlight, a shot glass stained with the last drops of why my stomach is clenched. Now, the microphone's off. I've lost my keys, the book, and the candle gifted to me. The book was one I already owned, but inscribed with a message for me. Raised to think I'd leave someday, here I am, on layover, too drunk to see the wheels touch down, smoke trailing behind. An airport toilet I emptied into was the last thing I hugged. Tossing my keys in a drawer, a bartender waits for me to call. Hmm. Wow, yo. There you have it, people. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to say. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful yeah. poem. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks Jeremy. for having me. Yeah. Right. Thank you. What? All right, yeah. Jose, take us out. All right, y'all, here we go. <laughs> people see me, but they just don't know. What I told you, brother. People see me, but they just don't know. <laughs> Maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> they may know. They might know now. Hey, hey, hey.